You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. And today we have basically a legend in our industry. Legend, an icon. <laughs> she is. She's shaking her head as I'm saying this. <laughs> but it's um, so she's been in 18 Broadway shows. Yes, you heard that correctly. Mm. 18. Just a few. Um, just a couple. Uh, she's received. She's been the recipient of the Legacy Robe six times, I believe. Wow. She's, she's not, she <laughs> she's doesn't like, even know. She's like, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, too many times to keep track of. Both Jessica and I have worked with her, uh, and we can attest to the fact that she is one of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. She's funny as hell. Mm-hmm. And she also has one of the most interesting journeys to motherhood. She is Broadway's Lisa, Lisa Gaida. Everybody, welcome back. We have a chance to talk with Lisa again and catch up with her post-COVID. Hopefully, you've already listened to our pre-COVID discussion, which I have to say, in the beginning of it, you guys, we talk about how bad the winter has been, not because of the weather, but because how sick our kids have been. And we're like, oh, sickness. The sickness is going around. And I'm thinking to myself, Little did we know oh my God. what was like coming our way. Yeah, I mean, it was later. the beginning of February, I believe, when we met. So it was just, it's fascinating to listen to the before time. But That well, is almost a year ago, y'all. Oh, Because it's mid-October. Yeah. I mean, just a year of your life, just like pooped down the toilet. Just <laughs> 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 trying to get through it. Um, but yeah. Oh, God. Well, leads us to how are you? How are you doing? You came on, said you've been homeschooling all day or not remote learning, I should say, remote learning all day. Yeah, no. Uh, Yeah, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, apparently I complained before the the global pandemic, so I had no credibility. (laughs) So whiner. None of us did, let's be honest. I mean, you think you know what suffering is with with a cold winter. Um, What I wouldn't give for that to be our biggest problem right now. Oh my God, you will forever be, like, this is something I think about, like, there are some things that changed me forever, you know? Like, when I lived in LA and I moved back to New York and I knew what it was like not to put LA down, but, like, to live where I don't belong, like, every day that I walk in New York, I'm like, oh, I belong. Like, like 25 years later, it's, like, some things stick and I'm wondering what impact COVID's going to have on how we experience the future, you know, like how, how I have very little faith in my ability not to complain. And <laughs> I just the thought of like seeing people, I was walking down the street like this weekend and I walked past people who are safely socially distanced outside at a cafe with masks on watching um, a football game together. Mm-hmm. And it moved me to my, and I was just like, just even like access to together, like, like, all the kinds of ways to be together. We have some more together now. Like I've seen my mom and my my stepdad and my dad. I've seen them. But there's something about like that other togetherness that we particularly are kind. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. What is that forever more? Like just knowing that, well, at least we have together. <laughs> like what if we're like forever slightly changed for the better, knowing that that's something to be valued? Absolutely. For sure. I think about that a lot. And I think about like, it's sort of bittersweet. I mean, it's very bittersweet. I think about the before times and how we will be changed and how we'll move through the world and what a difference that will be. 
I keep thinking about how every decision has so many layers to it right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, you got to think about this. And and even just like the technicality of leaving your house with a mask and making sure that you have hand sanitizer. Like, I wonder what I'll do with that extra brain space when that's not a consideration anymore. Like that's taking up a lot of space in my brain right now. Every time I make a plan, there are many more steps involved in it, you know? There is so much brain power being you. I mean, we're like, like I, I say all the time to anyone who will listen to me, like we're in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a crisis. And like the amount of- With brain, no ending. With no end in sight. And it's like, and it's there's so many layers of the crises, like, you know, like, and, um, and so I think that we have no idea, like what you just brought up, I think about all the time, like how, even just passing somebody on the street in a mask and there's just, and I'm not much of a warrior. I'm a bit of an underfunctioner. I was like the last person on the subway with my kids. <laughs> place down. Um, but I'm a little bit of an under, you know, responder. Um, however, like once you understand like the threat fully it's like you just even just passing somebody being near like even being like even every day when i pass my husband my brain's like you're near someone you should have a mask <laughs> yeah yeah like, cuz your brain is so now they're just amazing these things and they're just completely tweaked to this new version of safety and so but you are right the amount of work that we do and that's just one level i think you know i think that there's like 10 more levels that are happening that we can't even identify cuz we're so busy managing it all so busy Mm -hmm. so busy like it's shocking to me how like the feet hit the ground in the morning and do not stop I thought I was busy before I had no idea yeah. No. Yeah. And I put on these workout clothes, y'all, this morning when I got up and it's 515 oh, on yeah. the West Coast in the evening and I still haven't worked out. <laughs> it's like par for the course. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at least you know, I, I thought you were going to say, because I've been in the same shirt. I'll wear the same shirt for like 10 days and not be sorry. I'll be like, yeah, it's 10 days. Hi, neighbor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the standards have been lowered so much though that it's like, okay. Although I do, you know, I, my kids are going to school out here in New Jersey. And although my daughter did have to quarantine because she was in contact with the staff member, blah, blah, blah. Everything's fine. There was no spread. She's totally fine. But um, there, it's interesting to see the various states of dress that people drop their kids off in. <laughs> Just underwear. <laughs> well, also you feel like so covered, like your face is covered. Yeah. You don't see your mouth. Yeah, so like, yeah. you, like, and if it's sunny, you probably have sunglasses on. Like you yeah. don't see your face. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I can't recognize anybody. I'm just like, you're going to have to tell me who you are. Like people talk to me in the elevator. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who my mother is in a mask. Yeah. So it's like, and so you have anonymity, but also too, like a full blown fuck it and fuck you. Like, yes, I'm dirty. I am as yeah. dirty as you think I am. Right now, because I haven't bathed in a couple days. I mean, this is truthful. I mean, why? So I guess we know what we're doing. I haven't made it to work it out. So, (laughs) oh golly. Um, Okay, well then we're doing our best to stay as clean as possible with zero fucks left to give. (laughs) So moving on. So when we talked before, our conversation, so much of it centered around transition, right? And transition with our careers. And it's a very, um, it's very, it was very prescient. 
right? I mean, yeah. here we are yeah. now. Um, so many people are thinking about pivoting and are thinking of leaving the the business. And I just would yeah. say, I would wonder what is your advice to navigating that? I mean, Kara and I both, we've had these conversations. Elliot and I started a beaded bracelet business. Yeah. You know, it's a side hustle. I'm not doing it forever and always, yeah. but yeah. you know, but there are those conversations, those very real conversations are happening, particularly in households of, you know, two actor families. Yeah where yeah. neither of you has any option of employment. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. I mean, I've, I've kind of lost you on Zoom, so I'm imagining you and your workout clothes. Um, <laughs> I so preferred seeing you, but I'm going to move with, I'm going to go with the flow. Um, you know, I, I really don't know what the answer is other than I can tell you what, like, some of my first instincts are. Um, I, I was... Uh, without telling you anything about what happened inside the group, I was running, not running, but I was sort of, I gathered a group of um, uh, transition-minded dancers right at the beginning of this whole catastrophe. And um, and I have noticed that this process really has to look different for each person. And my, my, my gut instinct, and I'm curious to see what you guys think, is that rather than thinking of it as a full-blown transition, this is a time to begin to explore. And it's a, it's, you know, and in some ways, you know, um, you know, it, the space, I mean, I hate to put a silver lining thing. There's, there's just no silver lining about this, except that there is space to do it. You have no choice, but to explore it. The problem is, is that exploring is about making a lot of sausage. It's about not knowing you're also exploring in a world that isn't a normal world. So it's hard right. for you to sort of like really ex like, you know, put your feelers out and see what you're curious about. But my, my, I guess my first instinct, long story long is, is baby steps, day to day curiosity, just like beginning at the beginning. And, uh, and if possible, even though it's a matter of survival and food on the table, it's, it's like a contradiction sort of, because it's so important to figure out what's next. But I don't think that trying to do too much at once will get people where they need to be. So, yeah. so my my guess is, and I'm wondering how that lands with people that are dealing with this. Like, what does that sound like to you? What What are your thoughts about that? I mean, there are two things that come to mind. First, there was something that you said actually in the in our previous conversation, and it stuck with me because I feel like we talk about leaving the business, and sometimes the decision is made for you, right? Like you're not booking jobs, you can't whatever. Um, and then sometimes you actively make the choice to leave the business. Um, and something that you said is we have to say goodbye to things we love in this life. Yeah. Just because you love it doesn't mean you have to keep it or that you get to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that was like such an interesting thing to say, given our specific time right now, like right yeah. now we don't get, we don't get to keep theater right now. Yeah. yeah. And in some ways, it's incredibly freeing because there is there is no choice. The choice is being made very clearly and distinctly. There's no like, oh, but maybe if I go to one more audition, I'll book that job and the and the industry will want me. There, yeah. that doesn't exist right now. Yeah. Yes, there yeah. will be a time when it returns, but it is a time to explore. Like I find myself vacillating between. Oh, maybe I like I've thought about being a therapist. I've thought about being a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. I'm a personal trainer right now. I'm doing that. Like I find myself in fits and spurts getting passionate or excited about something, but then in the same breath I find myself depressed and anxious yeah. and missing that home 
thing that we just talked about, that the theater is our home and, and being able to gather and celebrate and tell stories and explore our creativity is home for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's such, I mean, it's such a dichotomy and it, like I say, in, within a day, I could be at both extremes almost simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the process. The process has to be, and it's so painful. I found this whole thing so painful, you know, like, and, and that, and yet it has to be allowed to be what it is. Like there has to be the space for all of that moment to moment. This is a, you're in the, the problem is, is it's not a typical transition process because you're managing just an enormous and immediate crisis at the same time. So I guess, I, and, I, and so that does sort of, what you're saying sort of does line up maybe with the idea of like, even though you need to put food on the table, somehow it still has to have a, a size that you can take, a bite that makes sense when you're managing all of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, to what Kara was saying for so long, I would say, I used to say, I wish something would just drop out of the sky and hit me upside the head and be like, you should do this instead. Because, you know, mm-hmm. what we do and the schedule and all of it, it has its pros and its cons for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but what this time has made me very aware of is I don't want something to hit me upside the head and tell me I have to do something else. You know what I mean? I have... I find myself just being more committed to the career that I've built and the life I've built. Um, it's nice to have this little break, you know, I mean, like you said, we, there are, there are silver linings and we have to acknowledge that, that within this time, you know, we're able to be with our children more, we're able to Mm -hmm. explore other areas and come to this place of knowing, I think. And that's what I'm coming to. I mean, I, I think that what it has done for me is just reaffirm that, this is who I am. It's so much a part of who I am. And I come hell or high water, I got to get back on the stage and keep doing it. You know, I mean, I, well, that's a huge gift. Yeah. I also have decided that I also have decided Kara and I um, are becoming activists basically um, in all the ways with women's rights. And I, I said this to my husband the other day, I was like, and there's this also this part of me that I didn't really know was there. And I don't know if it's because I'm almost 40 or that I have zero fucks left to give, but um, I find myself speaking up and speaking out, uh, you know, and being driven by the energy of the country and the movements that are taking place and just for equality and for equity with regard to people of color and women and our rights and preserving all of that. And that has lit a fire along with this podcast that is fulfilling me in so many ways right now. So like, I don't miss the theater as much because I'm not sitting here waiting for it. I'm yeah. doing other things, but yeah. when it comes back, honey, I will be right there. I mean, you're so lucky. I mean, that, that is everyone's know, like this transition will look so, there are just some people that, you know, it, it is, we're always transitioning. You'll notice you are transitioning. Do you know what I mean? You are changing. And that's the only thing anybody really has to, and some, and there are moments in everybody's life, everybody's life is an ongoing transition. And, and there are moments where it looks like, so for you right now, this clarity, I think a lot of people in transition will be very envious of, and they should be. And you're really lucky. And you know, and, but the way life is. I'm still stressed. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm sure you are, but it also, I mean, I think that it's, kind of soothing to me to know that there are some people that don't have one nostril sticking out of the water like myself. You know what I mean? Like, 
I'm in no, like really, and I'm really prone to schadenfreude, but not now. Like, I need you to be doing okay. And I think that some people, I think that, that people will, I mean, people can be envious about certain, you know, and also too, there's moments to be envious of people, but everyone has, you know, life is a, is always going to bring us our reckonings, you know, and the timing is different for everybody. You know, like somebody's reckoning might come in parenting. Somebody's reckoning might come in, you know, when their parents get old, you know, so there's always going to be reckonings and this isn't a reckoning for you and you have clarity and it's to be cherished. It's so nice. And also too, that you've had this like political, like socio-political awakening um, is wonderful. And there are some people who in this crisis have like found something about themselves. Um, It'll just look different for everybody. Yeah. I do think like speaking to the activism part, not on the political side, because that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's certainly we have more space for it now because yeah. it's like we're yeah. inundated with the information and we're not, yeah. we're not moving forward with our lives one foot in front of the other as normal. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the activism within our industry, I do think Jessica, and maybe I'm mistaken, but I think because we aren't currently doing it, it does make it easier to speak up about it. For sure. Yeah. So like this moment is really giving us the space to be vocal, you know, like whether it has to do with the the health insurance changes that are coming or about women being in the room. I mean, there's, there's space for it, which I'm grateful for that this moment is giving us that. And I don't think it will go away when we return. I do think that is a change that will stick with us and having our voice and feeling comfortable to speak up for ourselves will remain. Agreed. I mean, I think this is today. We had a Tina Zoom just today with my company, and people kept saying, like, when we come back and when we come back. And and Daniel Watts, Daniel J. Watts, who plays Ike Turner, you know, he he said, I just want to ask everyone to maybe rethink what you're saying when you talk about returning. And he said, because when we when we do return, we will all be changed, mm-hmm. and situations will be changed, and mm-hmm. the tone of the room will have changed so much. Will mm-hmm. have will be different. Yeah. And he said to think of it more as a as we're, when we come forward, as opposed Mm -hmm. to come back. Mm -hmm. And that really spoke to me. That really sat with me. And I thought, you're right, come forward because we can only move forward through this moment. And, um, there's no way to go back to what we were. That is the truth. I mean, I have chills because that's just like, to me, I, I got that lesson when my husband and I had Luca and we were hanging by a thread relationally. We were just like, but like, it was like really bad because what we were had come apart, you know, when we introduced another person, like the roles and the ways we were, everything just, we were completely different people as parents. And for us, that was a reckoning. And what I learned over the time that we were putting ourselves back together was that we had to come apart to become new. And the new thing was, and for a while we were trying to get back to what we were. And that, like, that's never happening for anyone ever in life in this world. It's not how things function. And so like the idea, it feels so great to imagine getting back to something, but there's no such thing, you know, yeah. ever. And this, this crisis has really shown us that. And I think you guys are all right. And, and Daniel, is it, I think he's, yeah. I think he's so, and it's like, we should all be not should, but you know, I think, it, I think I will, I think it will be wise for me to think always about when we get, when we go forward, um, mm-hmm. instead of getting back to anything, cause you are changed. The relationship has been changed, you know, yeah. and the world has been changed and the way, you know, so yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's interesting that we're finding ourselves in a conversation about the ways in which things have been improved 
<laughs> in the middle of like the worst ex- the worst thing that could ever have happened to oh. a certain degree in our life. I mean, no one planned for this. No. It's like we talk about that all the time. It's like actors are used to a struggle, but this is like no. yeah. nobody planned. This is nothing. This is nothing we could have ever. This is an abyss. Know. We have to yeah. have no idea what's going on and nothing to hang on to. And it's just for human beings that just like not to be like an expert, you know, on human beings or mental health or anything like that at this point. But no, but you are. That's <laughs> what you are. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's what you're studying. I mean, you know, you're practicing. Are you not? Like you're in your. Yeah, yeah I'm practicing. Yeah. So yeah, you are an expert. Thank you. Oh, I'm totally an expert now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, just as a person, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that we need to know what's happening as creatures in nature, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're like in a constant fight or flight mode yeah. throughout all of this for months and months and months. It's not healthy. It is. But with, yeah. I find so fascinating. I think it's because of where I live right now. You know, I'm not surrounded by people in our exact position, people whose industry has shut down completely. You know, so there is a different reality. And not to say that other people aren't struggling for certain, you know, dealing with working from home and and remote learning and being with your partner 24 hours a day, not being able to see family. I mean, there's so many layers to it. But there is like a sense of identity that our entire population has lost. And I think that our experience of this is so vastly different from what, you know, your neighbor might be experiencing. The basic things that people need have been taken away. I mean, like in every meaning of the word basic from like, we opened this conversation by talking about home. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was in theater, that was home and home. I mean, think about that word. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's just enormous to a human being and how they have like their sense of belonging. Our sense of belonging has been disrupted to some degree, although it sounds like people are finding new ways to belong and other ways to belong, but it's, you know, what we're used to, like the thing that we put our, you know, 30 years or 25 years or 20 years of roots in is not available to people. And, um, and identity, you know, is gone, you know, and also two years you can't get back in an industry that's finite. You know, in terms of and and um, and then just food on the table and knowing, imagining a time like where like I've been unemployed for a year and a half, but there was always the possibility. And there were also other ways to earn a living, you know, many more ways to earn a living than there are now. Um, And uh, so this the the sense that like it's going to be years before you have a currently guaranteed, you know, like or or a year before you have a production contract again. if you're lucky, uh, that's, that's just a lot to, it's a lot to take, which is why bringing the idea of, well, what am I going to do next onto the table? There's just a part of me that almost feels like, even though it makes so much sense to, to take this time to do that. Another part of me is like, take care of yourself. Like just take care of this very moment and be kind to yourself and take it easy. You know, and if, if you get curious here or there, then explore, but really the, the moment now is about like this crisis and everything that has been, um, sort of taken away from this community. Yeah. And I think as mothers, there's, or parents in general, there's just an entire extra layer to that, you know, this moment of survival, because it's not just your well-being that you're looking after. It's your, it's your children's, it's your partner's. And without all the normal vices, isn't the right word, but mechanisms that help you do that, you know, the support systems that are in place to the village that we speak of, whether it be dropping them at a soccer Mm -hmm. practice or whatever it is that rounds out your life and gives that your, your 
offspring support and your and your partner. It's crazy. I don't have, there are no babysitters in New York City. They're all scattered around the country. There's literally, I haven't had a babysitter. Uh, you know, people are not comfortable working right now, understandably. They're at home. Um, uh, all So, uh, yes, and the amount of pressure that mothers, particularly, because my, my program brought up a study uh, that showed that, like, I think mothers are doing 93% of the homeschooling, regardless of whether or not they also have full-time jobs and are working from home or whatever, or working out, you know, in the world. Um, that alone, I mean, uh, I know for my- And like, and the thing is, is like moms have taken it on without, there was no discussion. It wasn't like you, most yeah. people probably didn't sit down and think like, should you do it or should I do it? Yeah. It just was like a given that the mom was going to do it. A given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then just all the, pre- like the, the pressure of just being with children, like round the clock and then being with you around the clock, even now, like not in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you must've had some crystal ball, Lisa, like going into to therapy. Cause I feel like people need it more than ever. And Perfect. after this are going to need it for years and years and years, there's going to be like PTSD from this time, Global. you know, that needs to be unpacked. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, it's a, it is a boom. It actually really is a a booming industry, but what's heartbreaking is how much people need it and how funds are diminishing and insurance is getting lost. And, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but no, it's, uh, mental health is not a priority in our country, particularly in our world to the most part, but, you know, specifically in our country, mental health is not something that is, that is prioritized. And, if we're all crazy or sad, mm-hmm. then it's all just going to be sad. Then our experience, our human experience will be sad. We're not productive and we're just not a, we're not a country. I, I, I wrote a, I wrote a blog for my site, knowing all that I know about there, being the expert on mental health that I am, I wrote a blog. And, <laughs> I can't um, wait to read it. <laughs> and um, one of the things that I talk about is how our culture is just, it's really not helpful when it comes to, you know, we have a lot of, there's still a lot of stigma around needing help and it's considered to be sort of weak and like, and also to the idea that mental health, it's also kind of Freud's, it's like the idea that mental health, um, like pursuing a therapist means that like something's wrong. Actually, it, most of the time I have found that people that pursue therapy, something is really right, you know, yeah. about them and, um, and they're well enough to know they need support and healthy enough to reach for it. Um, but this is, it's like still has this weird, it still has a weird stigma. And, and even just our cultures, you know, watching people cope with um, COVID um, and how constantly I see people going like, I have a full refrigerator, which is real. Like, I don't mean to say like that, that a lot of the people that I know are very lucky, very privileged They're you know, and at the same time, they are in a crisis and, and we're just a culture that's like, don't complain. You know, don't, somebody has it worse than you. And it's true. And it's important to know that. But you also, like I always say, like when I'm talking to a client, I'm like, it is true that you are lucky. And can we keep that and add the truth of your experience and keep them next to each other? You know what I mean? Like, this is a culture that that's like, it tells you don't whine because, you know, the truth is, is that you can't ignore biologically your experience is happening, whether you agree with it or not. So if you're suffering, you're friggin' suffering. I said this exact, I mean, I, I should out myself that I was in this transition group with you that I would make it a couple of times, but I said that this exact thing to you, I said, I feel guilty complaining when, and I compared it to 
Nazi Germany of all places. I was like, people had to live in basements, not seeing the light of day and not knowing if they were going to survive. How can I not be making it through this and not be doing better than I am? And that's like, that's some deep shit, first of all. But you validated, you said your feelings are your feelings and you need to be okay with having them. (laughs) You can't avoid them. And the two things have nothing to do with each other. Like I only want to be around people that understand their, their place in a context do you know what I mean? Like, I would totally hate the mom that like walked up to me, like who's like super privileged and was just not aware of her lo- her good fortune. You know what I mean? And her place in the. It's just that it has nothing to do. Like, you are in a global crisis. You do have these responsibilities in your home, enormous responsibilities in your home. You have the feelings you have. Like for me, as privileged as I am, I have sort of like a psychological history that this crisis hit me like like an arrow. You know what I mean? And you can look at my refrigerator, but you don't know how I'm processing this based on my experience. You know what I mean? So my experience is my experience. And I, and, and those two things, I am lucky to have the refrigerator. I am so lucky in literally every way. And yet there I am like gasp crying on my terrace because of my experience in the crisis. You know, they can both, they can coexist. They you can must. hold space for both. They must. It's like, it's like when people are complaining about their kids or something and yeah. it's like, I can love my child yeah. and still be tired of hearing them talk I all day, that. you know, or whatever. <laughs> I, <knew. laughs> still, I love my child. I still want to go spend the night without them somewhere, you know? Uh, you know, it's just our culture. Our culture has a real disdain for emotion. It's an emotion phobic culture. And so anytime anyone has a feeling, we've got a slew of tools to say, don't do that. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work because if you don't name it and take responsibility for it and claim it and own it and allow it to have a process, it stays there. And then it adds up and it adds up and it doesn't go anywhere. Emotions are designed to come and go. And if you stop it by saying, I don't get to feel this way, it doesn't go anywhere. There's a person that I really would like to say that that (laughs) is their case and I'm not going to and get political, but you know what I mean. (laughs) You gotta, you you gotta feel your feelings. You gotta acknowledge them. You're not weak. It's, you know, there is strength in being vulnerable and being honest. It's a lot better for your body. It's a lot better for mental health, you know, and it's really hard. We all have, look, feeling is hard and we're not, it's not a culture that's taught us how to do it very well. So we don't have a lot of tools and we're not accustomed to it. We're not great at it. So, you know, we have a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, of stuff that keeps us from doing it. Um, but I think that whenever a person can say, and I, and I invite anyone to say, like, I am really, I'm one of the lucky ones. And yet here I am, you know, the pressure of, of homeschool. I, I failed school from third grade on and homeschooling my kid is a trigger for me. And that's real. And like, I don't care if anyone thinks I get to feel that way. It's what's happening. And I'm naming it at the very least. If people could just hold their good fortune and hold their real actual feelings about their experience in the same place, in the same room, they would be like going uh, way further than they would typically go, you know? Yeah. Lisa, can we have like weekly therapy with Lisa Gaida? Because (laughs) I feel like, I mean, I should, but I mean, on the podcast, I feel like we literally could make this like a five-part series and break it down every yeah. time. For real though. I know. I thought I'd been like really morose and horrendous and that you can just edit the frick out of it. No, no, we no. ain't editing any of this, honey. Oh God. We're leaving all this in. People can get yeah. to it. No. <laughs> I love it. I mean, like we said, no, you know, 
zero fucks and no filter. I just feel like we have to be honest. This is why Kara and I do the podcast is to have these honest conversations for people to know they're not alone, for people to know that there are others that feel the same way they're feeling and to have that sense of belonging and community within a world that forces us so often to pretend to be something we're not or be, or feeling that we're something we aren't. Mm -hmm. So, um, we love it. I ain't editing any of this. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> and I've, I mean, I truly feel like we have an, an expert in our midst, like your ability to articulate it is so, it's so helpful. Truthfully, you know, we can, we can talk and talk and talk, but having someone else validate your feelings in such an eloquent way is really helpful. It, and I guess, I mean, that's the whole point of having a therapist. I got it. Okay. But <laughs> moving on, <laughs> I just, it's super duper helpful. You're reminding me, I got to get back to therapy. I, I had literally just started and and the pandemic hit and she was like, do you want to do virtual? And in those first couple of weeks, I was like, I'm not functioning. So yeah. no, I do not. I, and then I, I just- did it most. I was like, I couldn't imagine having another pressure. Like, you know, and yeah. like, I was literally like, literally, like I said, like, I, I don't know if I said it was me. I used an example of somebody gas crying on their terrace. That was me. <laughs> you did say it was you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and I was just like, and I thought about it. I was like, I really could use the support. And uh, I was like, yet I cannot imagine saying we didn't be someplace at noon. Like, I just cannot fathom it at the time. But yeah, you know, and like, if, if, if you got the dough and you, you know, if I had right now, I'm in a place where I'm like, if I could, I would probably be in inpatient therapy. I just am so into it. I just find if you have a great therapist. The support is just like, you don't have to white knuckle your life. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, right. And Yeah. So many of us are trying to be that for each other too, you know, because we don't have the benefit of having a therapist. And there was that meme that was going around or a tweet or something about how someone's friend texted them and said, I need to talk this through or have a breakdown or this happened to me. Do you have the mental space? Yeah. 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 The emotional space for it in this moment. And that resonated with me. I thought, oh my God, because so often particularly like, I mean, how many times we walk into a dressing room and like throw our bag down and we're like, oh my God, you know, and like without any regard for what other people were dealing with. But even in this moment, like so many of us are wanting to make sure that people feel supported and our friends and loved ones know that we're there and that we care. But at the same time, we're all carrying so much and the mental exhaustion and the mental load is exponentially greater than it has ever been ever. And, um, and I just think it's something to, to, I had never thought of that before. Like asking, do you have the space for this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's the time to ask that because it's like, like you said, the, the, I have friends that are like, oh my God, I, I don't have access to my people because they don't have the bandwidth right now, you know, and yeah. it can be a really lonely time. Um, but it is, and it's, you know, it's also a really different um, process. I mean, it's such an, it's both are essential, but it's, it's actually harder to be a friend in a time like this than a therapist. It's a diff- totally different process I've learned, you know, and the therapist process is easier than the friend process. Um, so, you know, a therapist doesn't have to have the same amount of bandwidth as a friend does. True. You know? True. Well, I mean, you just touched on it. You said something you've learned. That's one thing you've learned that being a therapist and being a friend yeah. are different in these yeah. moments. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that, that you've learned during this time? Um, about, about yourself, about just sort of the community at large or, you know, the world around you, but 
mostly about yourself. Let's have some therapy on this. <laughs> I learned about myself. Well, look, like I, this is all new. So the therapy is very new to me and the world is very new. It involves, believe it or not, it involves a certain amount of technological competence and um, it's a different culture. And, you know, I was made for and built by you and you and, and all of you. And so uh, sometimes I, I, I feel like entirely like the wrong size for the rest of the world. Wait, I, I just, New York City life. I, I like that ambulance in the back. Oh, I miss it. We live next to a fire. It's like, I love my home, but I live next to a fire station. I don't even hear that, by the way. Like, you have to point it out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying you were built by you and you and you. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 you know, like, I have been fortunate you know, my transition has not had as many twists and turns as most will in that I kind of always knew that I wanted to do this, you know, next. Um, but the the entry process has been harrowing and hor- horribly scary at times just because it's like, I don't know this world, you know? Um, and um, so I've learned that I'm more vulnerable than I realize. Um, I love the therapy, like I only have four clients now and I literally want to be like, can I just have every fucking client in the world? Like I want all the clients. <laughs> <laughs> so that part that I've learned that that part is starting, you know, it's, it's that part is feeling like uh, fitting nicely. I like that part. Um, and uh, what have I learned? I've learned that I still have a lot of sort of like wounded places I learned in this process, you know, in, in COVID that needs to be cared for and known if you will, if I may. And, um, and that I, you know, I, I was a dancer and I had a lot of sort of like, you know, childhood stuff play itself out in my career. And then I quit dancing and I became a mother and I thought like, Oh, that's over. And it's not over. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I came and knock, knock, knocking on your door again. I was like, hello. You don't escape yourself. Grow up, Gaida. You know, escape yourself. From a therapist's point of view, is it ever over? Or like, if you've worked through your issues, do they still come back to haunt you no matter what? In certain circumstances, obviously, this is unbelievably extreme. I think that you just, you know, the way that I work, you know, and I can't, I can't say that I'm an absolute authority on this at all. What I can tell you about what I know about myself so far is, is that um, I wouldn't want. I don't think that. I think that sort of Western concept of like things being, which is what we all think, even I all the time, is like you're either unfixed or you're fixed. But it's not to me what therapy has has become. Is it's a conversation. It's like opening up pathways to and an understanding of different pieces of yourself and of your experience. And so the therapy facilitates better communication, and that communication facilitates flow and healing. So it's like ongoing, but that's not sad. It's actually like there are some parts of myself that I know really well and have learned to really sort of care for. And um, and when they come back, it doesn't feel so crazy. The parts that have been like stuffed in a basement that came out in coronavirus, that's new. And that feels crappy, you know, But because I'm just starting the process. I know this is all real therapy talk, but I now I get to do that and not feel too weird. Um, but, you know, um, the newer parts feel worse. Uh, so yeah, I don't think that anything is ever solved. I think that you, but, but also too, having done a lot of this work over the course of my life, I will say that when I am triggered, it's short and it moves, I move like way, I move right back into my grown up, like solid grounded self. 
you know, and I can behave differently in circumstances that used to be freaky for me. So, you know, the trigger, it's like, I can't say I'm, like, I'm not, I'm going to be protected from that for the rest of them. I think they'll, they'll always be there. It's just that, that if I know how to have the conversation, um, I can get myself to a place that's, that's different than it had been, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's kind of ongoing and it also changes permanently. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I, there's so many thoughts in my brain. We said so, so we were going to keep this short, Jessica and I, before we started. And I'm like, I just want to keep on talking, but it's not, that's not what, we're, what the plan was. <laughs> no, we said like 30 minutes tops and here oh. we are at 40. So. <laughs> yeah. so there we are. But I just could keep talking to you forever. And I just think it's so fascinating to have, you know, A, one of us on the other side, um, mm-hmm. but B, someone who is able to... I don't give us guidance in that way, not just about transitioning, but about like living our lives. <laughs> like guidance, <laughs> guidance by Guida. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Guida's guidance. <laughs> I should be guiding anybody. <laughs> you know, whatever. Okay. No, like I think, yeah. No, I, I'm happy that, you know, I'm happy. I feel the same way about the conversation that I've had with you. I feel like, you know, seeing ourselves reflected in each other and hearing each other's different take on, on, on how it's all going, you know, that's really meaningful and helpful to me too. So right back at you both. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, thanks. We love you, Guida. Love you too. Next time let's talk about farts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That's very popular at our house right now. So it would, I'm, I'm assuming yours as well. Absolutely. My two-year-old is all about it. Oh, she's <laughs> so incredible oh my gosh every time you post a picture you just call her a circle because her face is just so round oh my god just amazing those (laughs) eyes oh my god comprehension yes well thank you for thanks for coming back and talking to us more i mean i feel like um we should catch up in february and see (laughs) yeah we'll get the year mark (laughs) and only in like four months so here we are oh my god Hmm. that's crazy i love talking to you i do wish every time i talk to you i'm like we need to just talk like just let's talk about having coffee sometime after we hang up. We'll, we'll send some texts. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Let's do it. We love it. All right. Be well, guide us. Stay safe. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. If you like what you're hearing and you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and of course, subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 